Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie, and as always, I'm blessed to be in studio with Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today, our topic of discussion will be the priestly convocation. It comes up every year in the fall, and an opportunity to talk a little bit about the heart of that gathering of priests, and of course, you as our shepherd archbishop. So as we uh, begin to talk about that, please lead us in prayer. Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are the giver of all good gifts. And Father, you are the gift, of course, of your Son, Jesus, whom you sent into the world to bring us new life and salvation. And Father, you called men to share in the ministry of your Son, Jesus, to share in his own priesthood. These are our priests and our pastors. Lord, we ask you to be with all of us as we participate in this radio broadcast, but also as our priests gather with their bishops in convocation, that you pour out the grace of the Holy Spirit upon them to accomplish great works among us. All these things we ask through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seat of wisdom. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. St. Therese of Lisieux. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Archbishop, before we talk about the convocation for the fall, I want to go back a little bit and get a little context because earlier this year you talked about a different type of a gathering that the priest uh, underwent in the springtime mm-hmm. or in May, and there was just this renewal of the Holy Spirit, and it continues to uh, show this I think this beautiful renewal of the Spirit in the church, in the clergy, and particularly in relationships with you your brother priests, and also with all of us as the faithful. Give us a little sense of the movement from May until now, this upcoming priestly right. convocation. You know, uh, well, and, and in fact, really, you know, it started well before May. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is is just doing something. <laughs> no, I mean, the Holy Spirit is really, I I firmly believe, I've come to believe, and, and, and I just can't deny it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I might try to be a, a, a cynic or a skeptic about it, I can't. Because I have just seen the Holy Spirit working so powerfully among us, uh, and especially in this church in, in, in Western Oregon, this archdiocese. And so, you know, I, when I began pr- praying that surrender novena to Jesus, uh, wow, the Holy Spirit just started uh, opening doors. And one of those doors he opened was with the beautiful ministry of Acts 29, uh, led by Father John Ricardo and his team. And we brought Acts 29 into the Archdiocese back in May, and we had this beautiful time together uh, in sort of a mini-convocation, you might mm-hmm. call it, or a retreat kind of atmosphere, where Father Ricardo and his team helped us focus on on the kerygma, the, the proclamation of the good news, immersing ourselves, soaking, really, in, in the gospel message, the heart of the gospel message for a day. And another day about healing and... and uh, allowing the Lord to, to really enter into the hearts and souls uh, of us as priests to bring ab- about a greater healing and transformation in us where, 
where there are wounds that 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 need to be uh, healed by by the grace and the power of Christ. And and there were just some very powerful moments during that mm-hmm. time where I think the Holy Spirit just reached down from heaven and profoundly touched the priests and our our gathering and our presbyterate and and me as the as their archbishop and my relationship with them. Something something happened there, and I think. Even the most uh, skeptical uh, among us cannot deny that 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 God really intervened there with something. And at the conclusion of that retreat, uh, Father Ricardo and and his team handed out a, a, a book by uh, Dr. Bob Schuchs, who runs the the John Paul II Healing Center in Florida to which uh, we have sent uh, a number of our priests and seminarians as part of their uh, formation and ongoing healing as well. And from the very beginning, uh, Dr. Shook's name came up. I mean, long before Acts 29 came in May, he was already on my radar, and and, and I won't go into the detail of that, but his name was suddenly Mm -hmm. in the mix. And I I couldn't figure out, well, how how is Dr. Bob Shook's supposed to fit in here? Well, I, I I won't go into the details. It would take too much time, but it was miraculous that that Doctor Shooks was available and willing to come to lead our convocation in October. I mean, both of us have talked to each other about it and how surprised we both were that this could even work out. But it was it, it truly, in, in many ways, was a miracle. So his book, Be Healed, was given out at the end of the May event. He was available to come and give our convocation in October, which, which as this is being mm-hmm. recorded, we're preparing for it, but it is being broadcast for the first time. We're actually in the middle of that convocation. Right. So I hope you're all praying for us out there because we're, we're gathered right now. That's Even right. though I'm on, you're hearing my voice now, actually, we're, we're in convocation in Newport. Uh, so Dr. Bob Shooks will, will be leading us. But another amazing thing happened. Dr. Shooks and his team organized a healing retreat for bishops. First one they've ever done. They've done healing retreats for lay people. They've Mm -hmm. done healing retreats for priests. They've done healing retreats for seminarians. They've never done one for bishops. And they decided that this is something they were being called to do. So they reached out to to some bishops to see if we would be interested. And it was another absolute miracle because it was on such short notice. And he, Bob Shooks called me and he said, you know, I know this is crazy to even ask this of you on such short notice that I, I, I can't imagine you'd be free, but I want to extend the invitation. I was, comp- I, I won't, I had set the side, week aside for something else that wasn't necessary to be done at that time. So the week actually was completely clear on my schedule, a miracle. <laughs> so I went and there were only four of us bishops there. Wow. Uh, just began, I think they had trouble, <laughs> but it was providential. There were only yeah. four of us. It was a very powerful week for me. And some of the things I shared with the priests at the May convocation, very personal things, quite honestly, about my own wounds. And I delved into those wounds a little bit deeper with Dr. Shooks and his team, who are very gifted. They're, 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 they're anointed by the Holy Spirit and very powerfully uh, prayerful and beautiful people. And uh, so I was able to really uh, dig a little bit deeper with Jesus into those areas of my life that continue to need healing and transformation. So uh, Dr. Shooks, a member of his team, is Sister Miriam, and she's coming with him. Uh, So she'll be there in the convocation with our priests as well. And I have never met a woman religious 
who has such a, a heart and a love for priests. Uh, this holy sister, and she's got quite a story herself. She has quite a story herself. She's had, she's had quite a life uh, up until now. She's a she's a salt sister, society of the uh, Lady of the of the Holy Trinity. A powerful story of, of 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 conversion in her own life and how the grace and the healing power of Christ has been at work in her. And but she has this tremendous heart for priests, and I know our priests are going to appreciate that that feminine uh, touch, if you will, the feminine love uh, of a holy woman religious. Uh, for the priesthood. Uh, yeah, I, I think God is preparing us, especially as Archbishop and, and, and gathered with my priests, God is preparing us for something big here in Western Oregon. And I think we're meant to do something new, exciting, novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when John Paul II used to talk about the new evangelization, he talked about it being new in its ardor, new in its expression, and new in its method. And I think that's what we need to be doing here. We need to express this in a, in, a, in a way that can reach our people and the people of today and the culture of today. We need to use the new methods that are out there for us to, to reach people. And we need a new zeal, a new fervor. And I think that's part of what God is stirring up in us now, a new zeal, a new fervor, a new ardor uh, for this work of evangelization among, among our priests. Yeah. And Archbishop, you mentioned the gathering in May, uh, the amazing parishes gathering where many of our priests and some of their team uh, underwent along with you in the summertime. So there's this movement. It's not like a program like Mm. you've talked about before. This is really a movement of the Holy Spirit for healing, for, for building, I believe, relationships. And we have to start with the trust and and a and an acre in God. We have to be anchored in yeah. Christ. And that takes time of building strong relationships built upon the love of God. What are your hopes? I know hopefully we'll get a chance to talk with you after the convocation, but as you move in, you invited the Archdiocese to pray a special novena to a special little saint, a little Carmelite, who's probably one of the biggest saints there is, Doctor of the Church, Therese of Lisieux. Why do you see her sprinkling down uh, miracles from heaven, particularly on the priests? Yeah, you know, this is, this is, this is, this would be an interesting story, I think, for folks. So I'll go into a little bit more detail with this one. But, I, but, but all these things I'm describing, the work with Amazing Parish, I forgot to mention that, of course, the work with Amazing Parish, work with Acts, work with Dr. Bob Shooks. These are all, I could tell similar stories about how the Holy Spirit just made things happen. But with St. Therese, why did I ask us to do this novena to St. Therese in, in building up to the convocation and to pray for our priests for her intercession? Well, first of all, I've had a long devotion to the little flower. And, you know, her name is St. Therese of the Child Jesus, but people forget that that's not her whole name. Mm-hmm. It's of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my devotion to the face of Christ, my Episcopal mm-hmm. motto, to contemplate the face of Christ. And I never knew this about St. Therese. Mm-hmm. She was always the little flower or St. Therese of the Child Jesus or St. Therese of Lisieux, but I never knew her by her full religious name of and the Holy Face. So when I made that connection, I thought, oh, wow. And I've, I've done, uh, she's my go-to. She's, <laughs> she's, my, she's my prayer partner and my go-to, my sister. In many ways, I feel like she's a sister in Christ. Uh, she's a saint, and so I feel a little bit presumptuous in calling her my sister, but in some ways I do. In fact, I'll tell you, one of the novenas I did to her in the past 
is is a good part of the reason why we we have such a wonderful auxiliary bishop in in the person of Bishop Peter Smith. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was I think partly an answer to her intercession. But anyway, what happened was when Acts twenty nine was here, when I went to pray personally and with with two of the prayer team members in some private time of prayer. One of the team members there from Acts 29 said, you know, I just have this real sense that St. Therese, the little flower, is right here. And she wants to partner with you, Archbishop, in praying for your priests. And this was just this, this sense that he got. And he said, I've come to realize this is a gifted man. He gets sort of these little inspirations. And I thought, wow, I said, that's amazing. I said, she's one of my favorite saints. And, you know, I pray to her. And, okay, well, I took that in. and I, But I confess being the you know skeptic that mm-hmm. I can be sometimes, I think it's my engineering brain. <laughs> but I, I said, oh, okay, I don't know what to do with that. You know, what does she mean by that? First of all, is, is this really true? I mean, is this really something that she kind of revealed to this young man, or is this just sort of? But it just came out of nowhere. I mean, we weren't even talking about Saint Therese. So I, I, I kind of thought about it. So I, I, I have her icon that one of the priests here uh, painted for me. And it has a first, I have a first-class relic of St. Therese of Lisieux. And so I had it hanging in one of the rooms in my house. So I took it and I put it in the chapel. But I didn't hang it up in the chapel. I just leaned it. <laughs> and for weeks, maybe, maybe a couple of months, I was going, you know, I'm not sure what that all meant. And so, Therese, hey, if you want to pray with me for my priest, that's great, you know. But, you know. And I was kind of even thinking about, okay, maybe it's time to put the icon back in the other room, you know. I hadn't hung it in the chapel. <laughs> well, okay. So then I go on this retreat with Dr. Bob Schuchs. The street retreat was scheduled for outside of Nashville, Tennessee. That's where we were supposed to go. We we're all set to go. We all had our plane reservations, et cetera. Well, the day before we were all to leave, uh, Saturday morning, we were to all leave on Sunday and arrive by Sunday evening in near outside of Nashville. There's these terrible floods. Right. And, and so the... At the retreat center we were supposed to go to, the power was out, there was no water, and so they couldn't host us. So they scrambled to find another retreat place. Well, they found one outside of Chicago, south of Chicago. So, Darien, Illinois. So, okay, fine. So we scrambled. Now we got four bishops plus six team members that now have to all make rearrangements for their flights, leaving the next morning. Right. (laughs) And miraculously, every one of us was able mm. to reschedule our flights, and everyone was able to get in by Sunday evening when the retreat was supposed to start in this whole new place mm. in, in Illinois. So one of the members of the team, Father Burke Masters, picks me up at the airport, and we're driving out. So I said, so where's this how – how, how does there be a retreat place available for a full week with right. really a day's notice? He says, yeah. He says, well – it's this Carmelite place oh. out uh, in Darien, Illinois. And I said, oh, really? And he says, yeah. They, in fact, the Carmelites have a whole campus here. In fact, the retreat center is right next door to the National Shrine of St. Therese of Lisieux. <laughs> the National Shrine. And I just said, you've got to be kidding me. And I just laughed. I said, okay, Lord, I get it. St. <laughs> Therese has arranged this whole thing. We were never mm-hmm. supposed to be in Nashville. Mm-hmm. This is where we were supposed to be. Okay, so when we get there, we sit in the room where we're going to have our group sessions. And on one wall of the room, there's a series of black and white photographs of St. Therese facing us, right? So as I'm sitting there, and I'm looking across the room directly at one picture. And if you go on the website for the Archdiocese of Portland and you see the Mm -hmm. Novena prayers, that image is the one I was looking at. 
it's this startling image mm. uh, where she's just she's feel you feel like she's staring at you. Yeah. Really. And she's staring at me across the room, <laughs> right across from me. So at a certain point during a break, I got up and I walked over to the picture. And under each of the pictures, there was a little description of when the photo was taken, et cetera, and a little quote from St. Therese. So this picture that's been staring at me, mm -hmm. the quote from St. Therese underneath it was, I entered Carmel for the salvation of souls and to pray especially for priests. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I made the connection. Yeah. Back to the, what happened in May with Acts 29, she wants to partner with me in praying for my priests. Mm -hmm. Here, we're not supposed to be here at all. And here she is staring at me. And the quote is talking about praying especially for priests. So since then, I got home from retreat. I hung her <laughs> icon permanently in yes. my chapel where I can see her when I'm praying. Right. And so, yeah, we're partnering in, in prayer for, for our wonderful priests. Absolutely. It, it. I think all but of these us, are the things that keep happening, right? When we're open to the Holy Spirit working, and not it's going to be my plan. No, you have totally opened up to mm -hmm. listen to a, a greater guidance of how to move the Holy Spirit. I'm completely in this place. docile to wherever God wants to leave at yeah. this point. Lead at this point. It's it is so encouraging. So many of us, and and as soon as I heard, and luckily it was the day before the novena was to start that I saw a, a parish a website that said join the Archbishop in prayer. So we downloaded the the novena. We've been praying it every day, and we'll continue to pray it. I'd encourage people. The novena ended on October first, her feast right. day. Mm -hmm. But please pray that novena throughout the week as the priests Absolutely. are physically be gathered. Pr be pr praying, yeah. Um, yes. And now we know that we can work with Saint Therese for our own parish priests. And I think maybe that's something that the people mm -hmm. could take to heart in your families, in your homes, whoever your parish priests are who have served you in this archdiocese, can we entrust them to the little flower? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that uh, as much as she, you know, has indicated she wants to partner with me, I think she wants to partner with all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, the Carmelites have this great tradition, the the the, the cloistered, the Discalced Carmelite Sisters have this tradition of praying for priests. It's really a part of their their charism. Part of certainly our beautiful Carmel sisters in outside of Eugene mm -hmm. uh, pray for priests. I know back in Michigan, I had a Carmel there as well of nuns, and they would adopt priests. They would split us up, <laughs> <laughs> and they would each adopt a few of us, you know, and in, in the presbyterate and pray for us. And it's just so wonderful to have those sisters in Christ yeah. who are living that tremendous life of devotion and prayer and and, and solitude to pray for us and sacrifice for us. Uh, but, you know, but St. Therese showers those flowers of grace from, mm -hmm. from, from, from heaven. You know, the, when I completed the, that novena, I mentioned that, that actually, essentially, I think I had her help in landing <laughs> Bishop Peter here as our auxiliary bishop. I got a rose on the first day of the novena, and I got a rose on the last day of the, uh, of the novena. She always gives, she, she tends to do that, give roses uh, to acknowledge that she's, you know, interceding. So I'm kind of half expecting, I don't know, by now, by the time this is broadcasting, <laughs> we'll the novena will be completed, the nine-day novena ending on her feast day. So I, I half expect on her feast day uh, that, that there'll, be, uh, there'll be a rose somewhere that, yeah. that she'll let me know that, yep, she's got this. You mentioned, Archbishop, the book Be Healed. Mm -hmm. Our priests have received that book earlier this year, and then Dr. Bob Schutz is here this week during the convocation to kind of break open mm -hmm. some of the content. Mm -hmm. 
what are some of the things you are hopeful that that book may bring up in terms of really helping to facilitate more healing? Well, I think that, you know, the first thing that I hope many of our priests will, will recognize, because a part of this is also long before any of this really started happening where I sensed the Holy Spirit, although this was part of the movement too. You know, I, I had been given that book, uh, is it 40 Weeks uh, for Transformation and Healing for Priests? And Bob Shooks is co-author of that. And I'd, you know, never seen this book before. And I started working through it myself and um, began to discover by going with Christ. And it's not, you know, I have to say, and I'd just be very honest about this, um, this kind of talk used to, uh, you know, it would turn me off a little bit because uh, I thought it sounded a little touchy-feely maybe or or psychobabble, we, we used to say. But what I hope that this time will do, I hope it will do for many of my priests what it has done for me, the, the retreat I went on myself with Dr. Bob Shooks and working through this book uh, by, by Father Bill Watson, a Jesuit priest, uh, living up in, in Washington State, mm-hmm. but co-authored with, with Bob Shooks. I hope we will open their hearts with Christ, because Christ is at the center of this. It's very Catholic. It, the, the, the work that, that Bob Shooks is doing and that Father Bill Watson is doing through, through his uh, Sacred Story Institute, this is a work of Christ. It's, it's deeply rooted in our Catholic faith. It's extremely Catholic. But what, what, what it's helping us to do is look deep inside of ourselves to where we are wounded, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're all to some degree wounded. And those wounds often go back to our childhood and our growing up and some of the broken hearts that we experienced on the way, some of the lost innocence, the, the hurts, the sins, you know, I think that, uh, if those things affect. I guess what I've come to realize is those things affect us much more than I ever thought. I mean, I shared, and I'm not. I won't go into any detail here, but I've shared with the priests. You know that I have some pretty serious father wounds myself. I mean, I love my dad, God rest his soul. But yeah, my experience growing up was not the greatest. Now again, I won't go into detail about that. Uh, please uh, don't anybody read into anything to that. No, I'm not talking about abuse. Um, but it was, it was not an idyllic childhood. And I had a lot of father wounds. And I realized those are affecting me now at age 60. Mm-hmm. My own father wounds have affected my ability to be a spiritual father, especially to my priests. So I'm going through this process, and I'm not finished yet, but right. I'm going through a process of healing from some of those wounds and it's opening my heart in new, beautiful ways to my priests and how I want to be a spiritual father to them. I want to be the spiritual father to them uh, that I, I, I would have hoped I could have been all along, but have not been, quite honestly. So I'm going undergoing kind of a conversion, a transformation, a healing that's enabling me then to be a better uh, spiritual father to all uh, of the flock mm-hmm. entrusted to my care, but in a very special way to my, my, my priest sons, if you will, no matter how old they are, even if they're older than me. And that's what I hope for the priests. Mm-hmm. I hope that this will begin to open up uh, these men in their hearts to the healing power of Christ. He's the healer. He's the only one that can heal this. He really is the only one that can heal this. This isn't therapy. This isn't, uh, you know, just psychotherapy. 
It's about allowing Jesus to come into those places of brokenness in us and bind them up, heal them, pour the, the balm of his healing grace into those wounds uh, so that we can be better in, in caring for our people. Uh, Bob Shooks kind of runs through it this way. We need, first of all, to realize that we are beloved. And I, I'm speaking just now about the priests, okay? This is true for everybody, though. But first of all, that we are beloved sons of the, of the Father in heaven, that we are beloved sons. Even with all of our weaknesses, our mm-hmm. sins, our failures, we are beloved sons of our Heavenly Father. And then we need to be good and loving brothers, especially to each other in the presbyter. We need to be brothers to each other, real brothers, a band of brothers. I'm using the image more recently, the fellowship of the ring, mm-hmm. you know, and then also spouses of the church in the image of Christ, the bridegroom in relation to the bride, the church. But then being good and knowing ourselves as beloved sons of the father, brothers in Christ, spouses of the church, then we then can become good spiritual fathers to the people entrusted to our care to be the kind of spiritual father that Christ really calls us and wants us to be. But that takes, I think, for many of us, I just speak for myself, it's going to take that that healing deep within my own soul and to get to the roots, because every sin committed against me and every sin I have committed is, is deeply rooted there and has created you know some serious wounds that need to be the light needs to be shown in those mm-hmm. places of darkness where the evil and the enemy exploits those wounds and he uses those wounds by making us believe all sorts of lies about ourselves, uh, so that we can be freed from that in Christ and, and be the kinds of spiritual fathers and shepherds to his people that, that uh, he really wants us to be in this, especially in this time. Right, right. And so we can't be what we don't already have. So we need to have that healing so we can be an instrument of healing for That's others. Right. And it really does need to start with our priests and, of course, the sacraments. And that all takes us back to Jesus yeah. Christ. All rooted in our Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we will continue to pray. I think especially how beautiful October begins with the feast of St. Therese of of Lisieux. So let's continue to invite Amen. her to be with us in our family and our parishes, and particularly here in Western Oregon. We help us close our Bishop yes. with your blessing. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and through the intercession of St. Therese be with you forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.